You're listening to a C3 Victory podcast. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au. that God's up to something today, don't you? Come on, shout it out. God's up to something today. Great, have a seat. (coughs) Take a seat. You know, you walk into some places and you know in an instant God is up to something. I take my hat off to our team. They just, they work so well to make it easy for us. Just getting ready for this thing, my, my head has gone to a thousand places this week and it's like the enemy tries to, you know, I don't try to put too much on the enemy because he's a toothless lion and he's not omniscient. He doesn't know what I'm doing tomorrow. He doesn't know what you're doing tomorrow. He doesn't even know what you're going to do next. And the deal is this, walked in this morning and just forgot one of the things I needed to do, get the PowerPoint here and get the notes here for the guys upstairs and st- I take my hat off to a man, it's my bad, I, it just threw everything into a spin and yet God you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. And these guys just took it like a grain of salt up there and they were just, you know, you think they don't hear, they don't listen, they don't get it because they're up there behind and they're just working all the time. I'm telling you, uh, they make us look good and they make things go well, uh, which is awesome and love that kind of thing to happen. I'm telling you, God is in the place. You just need to kind of strap in, buckle in and get ready Uh, because the issue of freedom is always a fight. But you're not fighting for freedom. You know, it's interesting, this morning, um, this morning I was, uh, I was up, you know, I was praying, reading through it, preaching the sermon to uh, my lounge and uh, that kind of thing. It didn't get saved yet, but I'm believing for it. <laughs> However, right in the middle of it, God said, I want you to fight for this person, this person. I know that they're on the edge, they're not making it, they're not going through it. And you're here this morning. I fought for you in prayer this morning. Now, I don't have to tell you who it is. God knows who it is. Just your face came up in front of me. I said, I'm not giving up on them. I'm not letting the devil take over this thing. You know, I'm fighting for And you're here this morning. God's got something for you. I'm telling you. So let, let's kind of put ourselves in the picture where we started last week. Because this started out as one sermon. And it's blown out into three at least. And here's the foundation. Our freedom is the greater truth. You try to build a house without a solid foundation, and it is shaky. Um, I've got this shed out the back of my pool, and we put it right next to a tree on some pavers. That shed's not 10 years old, and you ought to see it. It's the most wobbly thing with a crooked roof and coming apart everywhere. It wasn't on a good... I didn't do it right. I didn't build a great foundation, put it on it, and bang, got this solid shed. I got this thing now that's going to cost me money to get rid of. My stepdad used to tell me this all the time. If you don't do it right the first time, it'll cost you more to go back and do it right the second time. So here's the deal. Our freedom is the greater truth. Not your circumstances, not even your own thoughts that will betray you. Wow. Can I say something? Your inner thoughts don't always come from the real you. And they don't represent the real you. They betray you. Even John said in 1 John, even when our hearts condemn us, my thoughts, my heart's going to a place like, you sorry, no good for, 
The Bible says he remains faithful. Which is awesome. So it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. You notice here, Paul didn't say, go fight for your freedom. He just said, stand in what you've already got. Isn't that interesting? You do not fight for your freedom. You fight from a place of freedom. That's the greater truth. Stand firm in it. Don't let anybody burden you again with anything that's going to enslave you and try to stop you from being in that freedom God's given to you. Our freedom is not determined by what's going on around us. It is not measured by what people say to us or about us. Our freedom is determined by truth. And the truth is that you have been set free. So here's the deal. You go, yeah, but if you knew what my life was like and if you knew where I was at right now, and I'm not all that strong. Hey, listen, don't be fooled by where you are or where you are not in this journey. Stephen Furtick gave this great, great sermon about progressing. And we're always trying to reach something out there. And, and, and we seem to never get to that thing out there. And all of a sudden we realize we forget to look how far we've come from that back there. So he said this. Sometimes it's hard to see your progress when you're in the middle of it. Don't give up. You might go, man, this freedom thing just seems so far out there. Don't give up. You have progressed. You have walked the journey. You are going from strength to strength. Don't forget that. So the second foundation is this. Freedom is our birthright. It's, it, it, it's, not, it's not like I got a call the other day from Lexus. Keith, your warranty runs out on your vehicle in May. I said, yeah, I know. They said, would you like to bolt on an extra warranty? It'll only cost you $1,500. They said, yeah, but one, one repair with Lexus will cost you more than that. Listen, freedom is not a bolt on to your Christianity. It is not an add-on. It is not an extra for those who are doing well or who do everything right. Freedom is your birthright the moment you are born again. You, the moment you are saved, freedom enters your soul. Listen, what do you think salvation is? Paul said, God has commissioned me to set people free from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God. Your salvation is an act of freedom. You are destined for freedom. And that's what Paul says, that just like Jesus walked this kind of life, so you are destined to be conformed to his likeness. Likeness is a big issue. I'm going to go there next week. You need to hang on to that phrase. Because the key to your freedom is found in him and his likeness, not in you and what you're experiencing. Anyway, next week, next week. You go, you know, that all sounds good in theory. But what about reality? You know, I really still struggle with areas where I'm not free and I feel condemned and I feel like I'm not, you know, I just don't feel like or live like I'm really free. And that's where some of us live. And, and it's like, yeah, freedom eludes us. It seems to be the exception to Christians rather than the norm for Christians. We look at people around us and go, oh man, I wish I could be like them. You know, can I say to you respectfully, no, you don't. And no, you shouldn't. Oh, it's good to have role models. But there's only one that we measure our life to. Only one. I remember when I was a brand new Christian, 
my mentor, man, he was my idol. I mean, I'd never really known Christians up to that point, so he was everything. He was my karate instructor as well as my mentor, so he'd teach me and then beat me kind of thing. Literally beat me. I don't hear out of this ear because of him. He busted my eardrum one day in Jesus' name. Um, no, he did. That's all right. I busted his mouth too, so don't you worry about that. All's fair in love and war. There's a whole lot of love. Anyway, I remember I just, I thought I had to do everything like him. I had to be like him. I had to talk like him. I had to go where he goes, do what he does. And he just stopped me dead in my tracks one day. He said, Keith, you got to stop this. I, I tell you, that word hurt. He said, you got to stop trying to be like me. And I'm thinking, well, I never really had a dad role model. And, and you're not old enough to be my dad, but you're better than my big brother. So I want to be like you. And he said, no, Keith, you got to stop this. And he said, listen, I'll tell you, I'm going to fail you one day. Not intentionally. I'm not, going to, I'm not out to hurt you and I'm not out to disappoint you. But I'm human like you and I'm going to fail you one day. And if you keep your eyes on me, you're going to fall. You keep your eyes on Jesus. He's never going to fail you. Now that, I, when he, no, it wasn't great. It sucked. Because I thought, I was a new Christian, and I thought, that sucks. What am I going to do? My freedom wasn't found in him. My maturity wasn't found in him. My life in Jesus wasn't found in him. You know, people can give you birth, but they can't make you grow up. Listen to me. You can bring children into the world, yeah? Sometimes you wish you didn't. But you will never cause those children to be everything they are meant to be in and of themselves. You can help. But in the end, their walk's got to be the, the walk they walk with God. And you go, so, so why is freedom so elusive? I want to talk about that. And I want us to kind of break that open today. Let me paint the picture. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Paul's talking to a persecuted church, a church that has gone through one of the toughest times. How would you feel if week by week the attrition in church is not because somebody finds the church down the road more appealing and goes there. The attrition in church is because your friends have been executed. The person who sat next to you in worship last week is now in the ground six feet under because of their faith. Week by week they're dropping. They're getting executed. And Paul tells them, come on. Keep the course. Stay strong. Yep, many, and he uses the phrase, many of them have fallen asleep. He's using what's called a euphemism. He's softening the blow. But at the same time, he sends Timothy to Thessalonica. Isn't that amazing? Here is his right-hand man, and he sends him right into the place where Christians are getting executed. And he sends him there for the express purpose of encouragement. And so at the end of this Letter, Paul makes a declaration, and here it is. May God himself, this can only be done by God, in some of life's fiercest storms, only God himself can stand there and keep us safe. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. Big word, but it just literally means make you clean, holy. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. John G. Lake, 
calls this the triune salvation. Interesting. God wants your whole spirit, soul, and body. So we put a thing up on the whiteboard last week. We're going to put it up on the screen. Go ahead, Kellen. You are a whole person. Now, can I just adjust something? Let's not talk about soul winning. Let's talk about people winning. You're not just a soul. You're not just a disembodied spirit. I hate it when people say to me, Oh, Keith, we're not going to be with you on Sunday. We'll be there in spirit. Listen, disembodied spirits don't cheer. They don't tithe. They don't serve. They don't do anything. They don't even appear. I don't want your disembodied spirit. I want you. Now, God in his salvation plan is not just after your spirit. You know, you could look at it and go, You know, life sucks. This is horrible. Things are just so rotten around me. And, and it's almost like God looking at you and going, you know, I'm really only interested in winning your soul. Let's lose that. It has this horrible language. Losing your soul. You know, when the Titanic was sinking, the captain asked, how many souls on board? That's old language for saying people. We don't talk like that. God is not just interested in the inner person. He's interested in every part of you. And he's not just interested in whether your spirit is born again and it will make it to heaven. He's actually even committed to giving you and me a new body. Did you know that? Hallelujah. No love handles. No muffin tops. I'm not going to have a six pack. I'm going to have a keg. You know, boom. I don't mean that wrong. I don't mean wrong. I mean solid. Don't laugh, Rachel. Hey, I'm not pregnant. But you know, there's this, it's almost like it gets into our heads that, yeah, you know, my body is sick. That's the thorn I have to live with until one day my spirit is free. Or we get this thing like, you know, I am tormented by depression and all this other stuff in my soul. And I guess that's just what I got to live with. And God knows that. And one day when I get to heaven, I'll be free. Can I say to you that God is interested in making you whole now? The will of God is wholeness, not just heaven. Now, I don't know about you. I come from a culture where the Christian songs, oh, they were, they were cheesy. I mean, just cheesy. You know, they, they, because they were so mixed with country and Western, and they're all about mamas in heaven. And I'm going to see mama in heaven one day. It's almost like, and, 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 and Brutus, my dog, is going to be next to her. It's that sentimental. It's yucky. It's horrible. Listen, Christianity is not just a fire insurance policy from hell. It is abundant life now and forevermore. And we're just in the process of catching up with eternity. That's all it is. I like the way Eugene Peterson puts that, these verses. He says this, May God himself... The God who makes everything holy and whole, make you holy and whole, put you together, spirit, soul, and body. Now watch this. And keep you fit for the coming of our master, uh, Jesus Christ. Not when it happens, but when he comes, he's going to find you whole. Get it? You go, yeah, but that's not my experience. Yeah, we'll talk about that. The one who called you is completely dependable. If he said it, he'll do it. 
You need to know there, with God, there is no plan B in freedom. There is no, look, Michael. Can you imagine Jesus up in heaven? Michael, you know, I, I, I see Tony over there. He really just can't get this in this area. Sorry, Tony, but he can't get this in this area. So listen, we'll just latch on to freedom when he gets to heaven one day. That's plan B. That doesn't work. Listen, the actions and the words of God are trustworthy. He says it, he will do it. And Paul is not praying for something that he thinks will not happen till heaven. He is praying for something to take place now. Get this. But you go, yeah, all right, if he's faithful, if he's committed to us in this, and he's committed to our wholeness, then why do I struggle with freedom? I don't know about you, but I do. And it's just simply this. It's living from the outside in. Listen to me. It's when we live from the outside in, there are things that happen around us and to us that affect us so strongly, it consumes us, and all of a sudden, that circumstance that's happening says, that's your reality. And you learn to live with it. That's your cross to bear. That's your thorn in your flesh. Now, did you notice God never told Paul he wouldn't take the thorn away? People often will read that 2 Corinthians 12, and I'm going there next week, but they'll read it where God says, my grace is sufficient. They take that as no. I don't take that as no. I take that as, in the meantime, I'm empowering you with something that is beyond your imagination. That doesn't mean no. It means you're going to learn something in the meantime. So whatever you are going through at this moment, I am telling you right now that His grace is more than enough to give you something that you have never had before. I'm telling you. And I'm not just telling you that by, uh, by my experience. I'm telling you that by His Word. But here's what happens. These circumstances, you look at this chart, you know, out here in the, in the realm of where we live physically, we get attacked. We have circumstances. We have temptation. This stuff is just coming coming from the outside end and all of a sudden it takes over and, and it, it happens in our emotions and we, we start getting afraid and we get insecure and we feel defeated and, and then we start making choices out of that in the will. We're living from the outside in. The outside is dictating to who I really am and what I, what I actually have or don't have. So living from the outside in is when we allow those circumstances to dictate things like defeat. You know, Keith, you, you, you mean if I have a setback in my faith, then I'm living from the outside in? Only if you let it stay. Only if you let it continue. Only if you let it determine what you do tomorrow. Opposition. Betrayal. You know, betrayal leads to bitterness if we let it stay. We dealt with this last week. I'm telling you, interesting thing, there was a definite breakthrough for a lot of people in this area of bitterness last week. I had people saying, I, I felt something physically leave me last week. These things, you know, these outside-in things, attacks, circumstances, temptation... They try to define us. They try to dictate to us. They shout at us from the outside in. Hey, you don't really have this right, do you? 
You will never overcome this. Who do you think you are? And it just echoes right down to the soul. Let me, uh, let me deal with one that affects so many of us. I include myself. I got this several weeks ago. I began to think about and pray about this thing. You know, freedom's coming up. And I began to think about this, and there were several words that stood out. One last week was bitterness. We're going to start breaking bitterness. You know what I found ironic this week? Talk about bitterness. Talk about, you know, learning to live from the inside out, beating bitterness. Boom. In the inbox. Don't you love the inbox? I love the out tray. Really do. In the inbox, an email appears from years ago. Something that happened years ago. As far as I'm concerned, it's gone. I dealt with that during my sabbatical. And all of a sudden, I'm going, of all flipping weeks, why? And I'm thinking, how am I going to deal with this? I know what I'm going to deal with this. I'm going to tell them off. I'm going to get grunt inside of me and just let them have it. Who do you think you are writing me? And I was going to do that. And all of a sudden, it's like the Holy Spirit just over two days calmly went, remember what I told you to do about that when you're on sabbatical? We went through this about a thousand times. Serious. Every time you think about this, Keith, I want you to say this until it is true in your soul. So I want you to say this. You are free. Listen, you hear the words? You are free from my, Keith's, expectations. And I am free from your opinions. And every time the thought would come to my head over those three months, three months, it didn't just come once. Sometimes it came like a flood. And I felt like I'm going, Jesus, 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 Jesus. It just, I just go through it. So the Holy Spirit said last week, remember what I taught you not only to say, but let it free your heart? Free them first from your expectations, Keith, and I will free you from their opinions. I know how to deal with this. Inside out. That's next week. Okay. So here's the issue the Holy Spirit says. I want you to deal, that's not the issue, this is the issue today. Last week was bitterness, so here's the one. Insecurity. I don't know if it was Chris Vallotton or who it was. One of the prof prophetic guys literally said, there is nothing more crippling to the body of Christ than insecurity. Nothing. So here's the deal. The slightest little bit of insecurity in your soul will cause you not only to not live victorious, but to never step out and advance his kingdom. I can't do that. I don't have what it takes. Insecurity. Now, I don't know if you know this. You ought to do this slow journey through about three different versions in 2 Corinthians 10, 11, 12 as one package. I actually read the whole thing this morning again. And I read it again in the message. Read 2 Corinthians chapters 10, 11, and 12. And you know what you will find? You will find that there are other people in Corinth and outside of Corinth trying to bring this on the Apostle Paul. Read it. 
At the very beginning of chapter 10, he has to start defending his own life and ministry, which is interesting. Why do we feel we have to defend at times? Because we're insecure. If I don't defend myself, who will? And so you'll find Paul going through this again and again. You can read his journey where people started measuring him in his ministry, comparing him in his ministry to others. And you know what you'll find? Paul agrees. He goes, yep, I'm not really that good looking. And nope, I'm not a pop culture preacher. I don't wear jeans with holes in the knees. I don't use media language. I don't even have social media. I don't even know what it is and how to find it. I just... I am what I am. I'm not the favorite conference speaker. I'm not your popular preacher. And he knows that. These other guys, man, they stand and speak and people go, oh. And then they start accusing him. The only reason you came to Corinth anyway, buddy, was to get money from us. So he had to remind them, I didn't even take an offering from you. The churches in Asia Minor and Philippi sent me to you and paid for it. For you. All the way through, he's defending, defending, defending his ministry. It's under attack. Now, how would you feel? How would you feel if all of a sudden somebody, and even people who used to be significant to you, saying, you know, you're not quite the person that you should be. You, you know, you don't preach as good, or you don't do that as good, or you're not quite as, and you're getting compared constantly. How would you feel? I'd feel pretty insecure. Isn't it interesting in chapter 10, where Paul begins this, by the time he gets from verse 1 to 3, guess what he's talking about? Strongholds. Isn't that interesting? Can I say this, that while the issue of strongholds is very broad, the immediate context is this, that, that they are trying to pull down his own confidence and security in his calling and his ministry, and they're trying to speak to it in a way to discourage him and discredit him with arguments and pretentious thoughts. You know what he says? That sets itself up against the knowledge of God. In other words, when they're telling me I'm a nobody and they're telling me that my ministry is no good and I don't belong there and I, I'm, I'm, I'm a nothing and they're arguing about this, it, it tears down what I know about God and who He is for me and what He has said to me. So this is what I do. I demolish every one of those arguments. I constantly, he didn't say, he said it in the continuous tense. I am constantly pulling it down. He didn't attack them. He attacked the arguments that was trying to make him insecure. And then he talks about the main cause of this thing in chapter 10, verse 12. Here it is. We, in other words, me and my team, we do not dare classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. Interesting. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are not wise. No human being on the planet is your standard. And we live from the outside in by measuring our life with the world's standards of success. Or by comparing ourselves with others. And when we let that happen from the outside in, strongholds start getting built in the soul. The thought hit me the other day, oh, Keith, you've just been so slow to get this. From childhood, 
I was immersed in, baptized in, raised in, enculturated in a society and a culture that said big is better always. More is best. And if you have more or if you are bigger, I mean, I, I'm disqualified immediately. I'm, I'm five foot seven. I don't have to duck when I walk in on planes, you know, that kind of stuff. Thank you, Jim. I resemble that remark. Um, but, you know, it's even from childhood, if you can be the best in this sport, if you can beat every other team, if you can be the best in school and have the best grades, if you can be higher, if you can do better, all of a sudden, you are the most favored. And it's carried into our Christianity. If I have devotions longer than you in the morning, then God's favor is more on me than you. He loves me more than you. So he lived from the outside in, measuring, measuring, measuring. Strongholds get built. And it's the way, look, it can happen in our work lives. It can happen in our family. It can happen in our ministry. Let me show you how it works. I call this the outside in, which is very real. You know what happens when we start working from the outside in on the issue of insecurity? The reality is I'm being compared and measured by a wrong standard. I might even be doing it myself, to myself, because I'm listening to them. Oh, not the team. I'm listening to those outside who are defining me and describing me and declaring who I am and what I can do and what I'm disqualified for. You know what happens when that keeps bombarding from the outside in and I'm, I see the measurement, then it starts hitting my emotions and my feelings. So I start feeling so discouraged. Oh, yeah, I'm not that big. Oh, yeah. My church really isn't that big, is it? I'm not really that significant. I'm actually insignificant. I feel insignificant. I feel defeated. Man, I'm getting depressed. And my emotions and feelings are everywhere. We live in a society that measures everything by emotion, feeling. Love has been defined by feeling. The greatest thing Jesus said, the highest thing, love, it now gets defined by how do I feel about you. So then when my emotions and my feelings are baptized, yes, it gets deep into my thoughts and my mind. And so I go, oh, reality is showing me I'm not called. I don't have what it takes. I, I, I can't do this anymore. And by the time it gets down into my, it's moved from outside and it's moved into my feelings where I'm feeling this and I'm thinking this as a man thinks in his heart so he becomes I become insignificant and so all of a sudden my will kicks in and I choose and maybe I should just quit and give up now because I don't have what it takes anymore see the, the cycle moving from the outside in starts building that stronghold and before you know it we're captivated and it's thinking that's contrary to the will and the word of God over your life. You won't hear God ever say to you, you're insignificant. You won't even hear God say you're defeated. God says you're more than a conqueror. But we actually empower the enemy when we start believing these lies. Can I say to you, listen, the devil has no power over you. Listen to me. He can only do 
what you allow him to do when you agree with his lies. Think back to the Garden of Eden. He had no jurisdiction, no authority, not even any power to make Eve eat that fruit and then take it to Adam. The best he had was trickery and deceit. So she goes, you know, he might have something in this. She just empowered his lie in her world. You know, they might be right. Maybe I am a loser. They might be right. Maybe I am unqualified. They might be right. Maybe I'll never get over this. You just empowered the enemy of your soul. I like what Dr. Neil Anderson said in his stuff on freedom. He said this, Satan has no power over you except what you give him by failing to take every thought captive and thus being deceived into believing his lies. Outside. And it just ripples from the circumstances down to the feelings, to the thoughts, and then finally the choice. I'm telling you, this cycle almost took me out. I got so caught up with the lies of the enemy telling me that I wasn't good enough anymore. That I, I didn't have what it takes to continue to lead the church. I, I even heard very clearly, you shouldn't, you, you, you know, you probably shouldn't even be in ministry. Who said you should anyway? And I remember when I was going out for that sabbatical, I remember Rachel looking at me saying, do you think you'll come back? I was in group one night. She looked and said, do you think you'll come? And I had to honestly look at, her, look at her and say, I don't know. In my thoughts, in my soul at that moment, it didn't look possible. But thank God, truth prevailed and set me free. So today, we're going to arrest the lies of the enemy, here and now. Stand to your feet. You know, this thing of insecurity is so insidious. It is so subtle. You know, the devil doesn't come to you masquerading as a demon with a pitchfork. He comes to you masquerading as an angel of light. In other words, if he can make it look good, and if he, if he can even make it look half true, you'll consider it. There's some of you that he has just about convinced you don't belong. You're disqualified. You'll never make it. You're not good enough. Who do you think you are? You failed. Listen, by the way, everybody fails occasionally. Failure is not final. Just ask the world's greatest tennis players how many matches they've won and how many they've lost. Do they quit? No. Nah. Failure is not final. But a little voice will tell you, you failed, disqualified, and all of a sudden this fear, when fear becomes so strong, it turns into choice. And you make the choice out of insecurity from the outside in rather than the secure place of truth. Oh man, I, if you could just see how captivating this is in the body of Christ how much it cripples us and yet Jesus at his own synagogue early in his ministry stood and said the spirit of the Lord is upon me he has anointed me to set 
you free. Those that I set free, he said, will be free indeed. So just bow your heads, close your eyes for a minute. As I was standing down the front this morning, golly, it came so clear. Sounds like this. I'm just not sure I can get the words, Lord, uh, the Lord's word, word for word, but it sounded something like this. All your life, you've lived in this shadow. You've tried to measure yourself to someone else. No matter how much you have succeeded, no matter how many times you have achieved something, you still believe that you're not good enough, that you failed, that you don't measure up. Today is a day to step out of that shadow. Today is a day to be delivered from that demonic voice. You have driven yourself even to the point of perfection and exhaustion, trying to live up to a standard that your Father in heaven has never made you live up to. And it is time to put that behind you and step forward and let the Spirit of God set you free indeed. I actually even heard God say, wow, this is specific. It came upon you as a child when you tried to get the significance, the attention, and the applause that your older siblings got. And so you went to the place of striving and of perfection and of proving that you are just as good if not better than them so that the significant people in your world would accept you, applaud you and elevate you. Instead, it has discouraged you and made you depressed even to the point that you're ready to give up. Today is your day. The Holy Spirit says today is your day of freedom. Thanks for joining us for the C3 Victory Podcast. We would love to see you at one of our services. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au or check us out on Facebook or Instagram.